Hi everyone, Pastor Ryan here with Grace Church, and today I'm asking the question, how do I keep it together? How do I keep it together? Uh, you know, we're living in times uh, where people are stressed out, and, uh, you know, people are going to respond to different things in different ways, uh, but I think more than ever, we need, uh, we need a message that brings hope and wisdom and encouragement. And if you're stressed out, I, I can relate to you. Uh, many of you will know if you're, if you're from Grace Church, if you're new to Grace Church, you might not know this. But back in the wintertime, I went through something called burnout. And it was kind of a weird, surreal experience that I'm still working through. But um, uh, man, if, if you are a person who's gone through burnout or any kind of stress in your life in that realm, I can relate to you. And just anyways, just as I, I was at the peak of my burnout, I was sent on a sabbatical, which was uh, very much appreciated. But as soon as my sabbatical started, this thing called COVID hit. And, uh, and the world went crazy, of course. And uh, people, all sorts of people, started asking all sorts of different questions. You know, as I connect with people in my family, friends, church, in my social circles, um, people started asking these crazy questions. And maybe you thought of one of these questions yourself. Uh, am I going to get the COVID? Am I going to die? Uh, should I reduce my social circles? Should I reduce my bubbles? Um, should I stay home from work? Should I not drive anywhere? Should my kids stay home from school? And if they do stay home from school, who's going to watch them? Who's going to take care of them? Do I still have a job? Uh, is my business going to suffer? Uh, can, I, can my business take all the extra growth that my, that my business is experiencing because of COVID? And if I lose a job, Am I going to have mo enough money to support my family? Do I need to hoard groceries? Do I need to go hoard toilet paper before something else happens? Um, is the stock market going to tank sometime soon? When is it going to tank? Do I need to withdraw my investments? Do I need to move them somewhere else? Do I need to buy gold and silver and hide them in the walls? Do I need to sell my home? Do I need to buy a motorhome and run to the hills? Do I need to live, live off a grid? Is the apocalypse going to happen? Do I need to buy a gun? Are aliens coming to get us? When can I cross the border to get Edeline ice cream? Uh, that's a serious question that I'm asking. Uh, some other people might be asking, man, is my marriage going to be able to with withstand all the stress that I'm feeling right now? How do I keep it together in the midst of the crazy that's going on around me? And does God's word have anything to say to us, any practical advice or wisdom to us to help us get through the crazy that many of us are experiencing right now. Well, like I said before, I can relate to whatever, we all stress about different things, but whatever you're going through, I can relate to uh, your stress as I've been experiencing stress in my life as well. But I'm so thankful that God doesn't leave us there. He, he gives us wisdom in his word to how to, he gives us practical advice to help us through these crazy times. And where I want to start today, I want to start by talking uh, about a man by the name of Solomon. And Solomon was actually a king of Israel about 3,000 years ago. And Solomon was the son of arguably one of the most notable kings in Israel, uh, King David. And uh, right after King David was king, Solomon became king. And one of the first things that Solomon did as king was he gave God this incredibly generous offering. And the passage that explains what happened here explains that God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he asked Solomon, he says, what do you want? Ask for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. If you were King Solomon and you had just become king, what would you ask for? Would you ask that all of your enemies would be obliterated? Would you ask for unlimited resources so that you can do whatever you wanted with it? What would you ask for? Well, what did Solomon ask for? Solomon 
he said to God, he said, God, listen, you've given me this incredible responsibility to govern and lead your people. And what I want above all things, because this is such an important task, I want wisdom. Could you give me wisdom to govern and lead your people? And God was so impressed with his heart and so impressed with his response that he not only gave him wisdom, but he gave him all the other blessings that Solomon did ask for at the time. And scripture says elsewhere that Solomon was the wisest man who had ever lived. Now, Solomon wrote some uh, wisdom for us, and his writings can be found in what we call today Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in the Bible. And we're in particular going to look at Proverbs, and in particular in Proverbs, we're going to look at chapters 10 and 11, and just pull out a few verses, uh, a few wise sayings that Solomon has, uh, has, is sharing with us with how we can deal with the crazy in this world. And we're going to see if this ancient king... Um, uh, with his ancient wisdom, which he wrote 3,000 years ago, if, if there's anything that he has to say that's going to apply to us in today's world. And, uh, and I, think, I, think you'll, I think you'll appreciate what he has to say. So there's four points that I've developed here uh, with six verses that pop out at me. And I'll explain to you why these verses pop out at me as we go. But um, the first of four points that I want to share is this. In the midst of all the crazy that we're going through, number one, how do I keep it together? Choose faith over fear. Choose faith over fear. There's two verses that kind of, uh, kind of brought this point to fruition. It's in the first verse I want to read is Proverbs 10:29, where Solomon says, "The Lord protects the upright, but destroys the wicked." And also in verse three of the same chapter, "The Lord will not let the, hu- the godly go hungry." Another translation will say he won't let the godly starve to death, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. And these two verses are very complimentary, but the reason why they jumped out at me is for two reasons. No matter what you believe about what's going on in the world, I think all of us would agree that there is evil that exists. And there are evil people trying to do evil things. I'm not going to say too much more other than that. And and at the same time, people have a choice in this life to choose to live in faith in God or to choose to live in fear. And uh, one of the things I found to be kind of humorous, but sad at the same time when this pandemic hit, I remember going down the superstore store toilet paper aisle and it was like a ghost town. Uh, it, was, it was just so fascinating that people were choosing to live in fear that they're not gonna have enough toilet paper to, to last this pandemic. But you know, uh, toilet paper aside, uh, many of us have the choice to live in faith in God or fear in our circumstances. But before I go any further, let's just, let's just talk about this verse a little more. What, what is Solomon actually saying? Is he saying here that we're not going to go hungry physically in this life, or is there something deeper? And I think there is something deeper. If you actually unpack this verse a little more and dig into it a little deeper, I think what Solomon is actually getting here, he's saying that the appetites, the desires of the soul, uh, of, of, of the godly and the righteous will be satisfied by God, and that the desires of the wicked will be left unsatisfied. And this actually kind of makes sense because if you go into the New Testament and you look at what Jesus said um, when, he, when he spoke about the, what's called the Beatitudes, he said this, he said, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness. Now, justice and righteousness is not something you can eat and drink. Uh, so obviously, Jesus is not talking about physical food. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, for what is good. And he promised, for they shall be filled. 
or they shall receive it in full, depending on what translation uh, you read. And so there's this, there's this spiritual sense that God's going to satisfy the godly desires uh, of those who are godly, and he's not going to satisfy the, the desires of the wicked. And so if we take a step back, what Solomon's really saying is he's, he's saying, listen, God's in control. No matter what crazy happens in our world, God is in control. He will not allow evil um, to get its way, and he will protect those who are uh, godly. And this is a present reality that is going to be ultimately fulfilled in eternity. And the reason I say that is because Jesus promised difficult times to come our way. He promised suffering. But at the same time, he, he, he gave us confidence that no matter what happens in this life, we can still put our faith in him because he has everything under control. There's no need to be afraid. As, a, as we were talking about this actually in our staff meeting this past week, one of our staff members uh, said something amazing and I haven't counted this for myself, but apparently there are 365 times in the Bible where the phrase, where you, where, where you will find the phrase, do not be afraid in Scripture. And that's, if, if, if that's amazing, that's, 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 if, if that's true, that's amazing because it's almost like saying there's one do not be afraid for every day of the year. There's another passage where Jesus tells us, he says, don't, don't worry about you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Don't, don't worry about this life, because if you put God first, he's going to look after you. It's going to be okay. There's another story that comes to mind that um, I, I've heard many times over and over again, but I, I've reflected on this in a different way from a different angle. Um, and uh, there's something I learned from this story that I found to be very fascinating the story is uh, Jesus, this just he performs an incredible miracle. He feeds thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. And he, he does this miracle, and understandably now he wants a break. And so he goes to have some alone time and to pray with, with the Lord, and he sends his disciples out into the lake, and they are in the midst of this crazy storm. Eventually the wind picks up and the waves pick up, and they're in the midst of this crazy storm, which appears to be life-threatening. They're, they're in trouble. And so Jesus, he comes to them walking on water, and Peter, one of the disciples, he's, you know, he's stressed out about the waves and the wind and the waves that are happening, but he sees Jesus, and he, he's, just, he's just so amazed that Jesus is walking on water, and he calls out to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, let me walk to you. And so Peter, Jesus welcomes him to come, and Peter, he walks out of the boat, and he's walking on water, and as long as his eyes are on Jesus, it doesn't matter what's going on around him. He's able to walk on water, but as soon as uh, Peter looks to the wind and the waves and takes his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he starts to sink. And as he sinks, he calls out to Jesus, and immediately Jesus rescues him. But here's the, here's the fascinating thing about this story that I've recently reflected on. Jesus, he knew he was sending his disciples into the storm, and he knew he wouldn't be there with them at that time. Why in the world would Jesus send his beloved disciples uh, knowingly into a storm without him. You know, and I think Jesus does these things to us. You, you can ask a similar question. Why does God allow this crazy to happen in my life, whatever stress I'm going through? And he does it to stretch our faith. He does it to stretch our faith. Man, whatever stress you're going through right now, whatever circumstance you're going through, um, uh, you, you have a choice to look at the wind and the waves, to look at your circumstances, to look at them in fear, or you have the option in the midst of those circumstances, in the midst of those crazy, in the midst of those fears, you have the opportunity to look right at Jesus. Who are you going to look at? Who are you going to keep your eyes on? 
And I think uh, keeping your eyes and your faith on Jesus, on God, is going to get you much farther in life than if you just focus in on your fear. And you know, as we talk about keeping our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm, uh, one of the most important starting points is that we need to realize that the foundational starting point, we need to realize that Jesus came out of love to die on the cross. He rose again and he conquered evil. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. He conquered everything. And so our faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection is the foundation for which we can live by faith instead of fear. And so first point is to choose uh, faith over fear. The second point that I want to share with you is this. Seek and accept wise counsel. Seek and accept wise counsel. And the verses that uh, kind of bring this to fruition is uh, two verses. First one is 10.17. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray. That last phrase is very interesting to me because uh, when you don't accept correction, you're not just uh, leaving yourself at a disadvantage, it actually affects other people too. Uh, verse, uh, 11 verse 14 says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. With many counselors, there is safety. And of course, Solomon was a king, so he was thinking about the nation and, you know, wise advisors who advise the nation. But this could be easily applied to even an individual's life or a business. It's important that we surround ourselves with wise counselors and um, wise counsel and so on. There's a number of things I want to say here and under this point. But, you know, one of the first things I just kind of want to just briefly mention is a concern of mine, especially in our culture, in our day, in our generation, uh, we have something what some people will call an echo chamber. And what I mean by that is uh, sometimes when we uh, go to develop an opinion and we do research and we try to develop an opinion on a topic, what, uh, what ends up happening sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, is that we end up going uh, to one extreme or the other in our culture. And uh, sometimes it's kind of done to us. I'll just give you an example. If you were to go on YouTube and you were to type in how to bake a chocolate cake, what YouTube is going to do is going to notice that you are interested in how to bake a chocolate cake. And so when you're done watching that video, it's going to pull up a whole bunch of other videos that will show you how to make a chocolate cake. And that's great and good and fine if that's all you're doing is to learn how to make a chocolate cake. But when it comes to developing opinions on controversial issues, what happens is that you will, you keep on, you're going to keep on... Um, getting fed the same information and the same opinion over and over again, and without realizing it potentially, uh, you might get sucked into a subculture um, that is going off to an extreme opinion um, that perhaps you maybe wouldn't have gone and maybe a, maybe a different generation. I, I, I don't know. And so I just want to throw a word of caution out there. Whenever you're developing an opinion on something that's controversial, challenge yourself. Force yourself to think outside uh, the... Um, echo chamber, the, the same um, realm of information that you've been processing, and see if you can find the other side of the story. Give yourself a variety of viewpoints. R read a different book. Listen to a different podcast. Watch a different show. The other day, um, I, I recognized uh, I, there's, there's a certain podcast that I love listening to. It's a leadership podcast, but I challenged myself. i, I got to try to listen to a different podcast today. And I tried a different podcast. It was absolute garbage. Uh, but I tried anyways, 
And, uh, and I, I, I applaud myself for trying. <laughs> but the point is here, man, uh, when you're developing an opinion on something, make sure you're thinking outside of the box. Make sure you're aware what the uh, what social media is, is doing to us when it comes to developing opinions. And make sure you get a variety of opinions to help give you a well-rounded view and thought of whatever your opinion is. And make sure you accept feedback and accept correction because if you're not careful, it's not just detrimental to you, but you end up leading others astray as well. What are some other practical issues and things I could say about seeking and accepting wise counsels? Well, I think there's a number of important relationships that we need in our life to make sure we are receiving that wise counsel. Uh, for number one, one kind of relationship that we need is we need good mentors in our lives. And sometimes it can be like really, really simple, practical things. So for example, some of you will know that I purchased a motorhome uh, recently and then to go on a trip and I was debating whether to sell the motorhome or not. And so what I did, I just asked a few guys who were ahead of me financially and with life experience and I asked them, what, what do you think I should do? And after collecting advice and feedback, I decided that it made sense to actually sell the motorhome. Uh, in a different realm, uh, many of you know that I'm a pastor here, and uh, there's, uh, there's, there's always joys and challenges in ministries, and I do um, everything I can to learn from as many people as possible when it comes to leadership principles and biblical principles. And uh, one of the things I've done recently, which I found incredibly beneficial, was there is another pastor in town who's probably 20 years ahead of me, and uh, I've, I've just I sat down with him a few times and just picked his brain on certain issues on certain ideas, and uh, he's been such an encouragement and such a help to me. I, even though we don't have a formal mentorship relationship, I consider him to be somewhat of a mentoree or mentor, mentorer to me. What is it that you are going through? Perhaps there's someone out there who is, um, maybe you're in a situation in your business where you are stuck, you're not too sure what to do. Reach out to someone who you might consider to be a mentor, someone who's ahead of you a few years, perhaps in experience or expertise, and see what they have to say. Uh, maybe you're in a marriage that is struggling, and maybe all it might take for you to get out of whatever slump you're in is to just talk to another married couple who's a, maybe a few years ahead of you and seems to have um, a good marriage. You might be surprised at some of the most practical things that they might offer to you and, and offer it to you so willingly and so quickly and simply. And it might transform your relationships, your business, or whatever it is you're going through. Seek out mentors in your life. Another category of relationships is making sure, if you need, if you need to see one, to see a counselor. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, um, at the beginning of my message, I experienced burnout. And one of the things that's helped me uh, work through that uh, burnout was seeing a counselor and seeing a counselor regularly. And I would encourage anyone, if, if you're in need of, of, of a counselor, don't, don't be shy, go see one. And I would say even if I have ever had an experience where I'm not dealing with anything stressful and not even close to burnout, I think it's still valuable to see a counselor even when things seem to be going fine. Don't be afraid of seeing a counselor. Don't be afraid of, of feedback and thinking through things with, an, with another qualified person. It can help you go a long way. Another category to ensure that we're receiving good counsel is to make sure that we're, we have healthy friendships in our life. And I'm not just talking about people who will watch a sports game with you and, and have a drink and, you know, just have fun, uh, but a, a friend who will challenge you to do what's right, even in situations where you're not feeling it. Uh, just, just to use an example, suppose you're in a marriage, a, a real quality, healthy friend 
is going to challenge you. Maybe you're in a marriage that's, that's struggling. A, a healthy friend is going to challenge you to, to do what's right and maybe see what your part is in the equation rather than someone that, that just says, just go ahead and leave your spouse. Get it over with and move on to something else. Pass the potato chips, you know? Uh, surround yourself with friends that will challenge you. Surround yourself with healthy friends that want to see you thrive in the long term and want the best for your life. And of course, the best counselor relationship we can have of all is God himself. Uh, God wants to counsel you. He wants to give you advice. The brother of, of Jesus, James, says in the New Testament, he says, he, says, he says, ask for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. If you ask him for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And so just as Solomon asked for wisdom back in the Old Testament, if we ask God for wisdom, he will give us wisdom as well. And all we have to do is just ask. That's it. Paul said elsewhere in the New Testament, he said, he said, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. L- allow God to transform your mind. Allow God to transform your heart. Because if we're not careful, man, that is the most foundational counseling, so to speak, counselor relationship there is. And if we don't put God first, if we don't make him our foundation, if we don't allow him to transform our minds and our hearts, one day, um, you know, our, our hearts and our minds are going to be drifting, and one day we're going to wake up and we're going to wonder how in the world we got here. Well, it's because you didn't put first things first, and you didn't put God as your number one counselor or source of wisdom. So that's the second point. Seek and accept wise counsel. The third point is this. It's kind of humorous, but true at the same time. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. <laughs> this uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 19, it's serious and funny at the same time. You can sense a little sarcasm in this, in this verse, in this statement by Solomon. He says, don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. <laughs> oh, man. Notice here that how it doesn't say, uh, don't talk too much because it's not ideal, uh, don't talk too much because it's annoying. He says, don't talk too much because it fosters sin. When you just, when you just let the tongue loose, it can actually create sin and, pro- and serious problems in our lives. And, uh, you know, that same person, James, who's, who said, who told us that all we need to do is ask God for wisdom if we're stuck, he also said in that very same passage, he said, listen, he said, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Be quick to listen, and be slow to speak. And you know, uh, if you just observe how God made us, God gave us two eyes to observe. He gave us two ears to hear, but he only gave us one mouth to speak. And if you're to think about that for, for, for a minute, you might say, okay, uh, maybe I should be listening and observing twice as much as what, I, what I'm speaking out. I listened to a leadership podcast, and uh, the leader on this leadership podcast, I said it in this way, your input, what you're receiving, your input should always exceed your output, what you're putting out to the world. And uh, and he he used a different ratio. He actually suggests your input should be 10 times as much as you put out. In other words, a 10 to 1 ratio. And so all all the feedback you're getting from these other relationships I was talking about, from God himself speaking into your life, allowing friends to speak into you, counselors to speak into you, mentors to speak into you, whatever you're learning and, 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 and growing in um, should be 10 times the amount that you're bringing in than what you're putting out. 
Now, I don't know what the ratio, the official ratio should actually be, but that sounds really good to me. And it sounds very, it's a biblical principle to make sure that what you're, what you're allowing to put into your heart vastly exceeds what you're sharing with others. So don't spend too, too, too much time spouting off not well thought out opinions, which of course relate to the, the second point. Because why? The danger is it leads to sin. And of course, it can be easy when we're in a stressed out and, uh, environment to not control the tongue, but we've got to be careful to, to do that. The fourth and final point is this, be kind. Be kind. 11 verse 17 says, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. What I find fascinating about that verse is uh, Solomon seems to be saying here uh, that um, the way you treat others has a direct impact on your health, on your physical and emotional and spiritual health. If you treat others with kindness, it's going to bless you. If you treat others with cruelty and anger, it's going to hurt you. So be kind. And you know, I understand we're, we're living in a time where people are fearful, they are stressed out, and it's so easy to blow a fuse, but that is not the way. In fact, and again, in that same passage where James tells us to ask God for wisdom, in the same passage where James, where, where James tells us to, to be slow to speak and quick to listen, in that very same passage it says to be slow, be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. And you know, it's, it's easy to blow a fuse right now, especially if we're choosing fear over faith. If we choose fear over faith, it's gonna, we're going to live in a, a state of anger and cruelty towards us, others. But if we choose to live in faith and we, ch- we understand that God is in control, it's going to cause us to be kind towards others. And the reason why this verse in particular caught my attention is because, you know, I was watching the news the other day and discovered that our senior health official in BC, Bonnie Henry, has been receiving death threats. And I understand people are stressed out, but that is not the way. That is not the way. Uh, we shouldn't be noted for people who are being angry and cruel towards others. So be classy, be kind. And I want to go a step further. Don't just be kind to governing officials and to those in the public sphere, but let me ask you this. Are you being kind to people within your own family? How are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your kids? Are you treating them with kindness or are you letting fear get the better of you? And Are you letting anger get the better of you? How are you treating those closest to you? Solomon says, the wisest king ever, the wisest person who ever lived apparently, says, be kind. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And so today, we ask the question, how do I keep it together? There's a lot more we could say as we travel through Proverbs. But for today, the the wisest person ever tells us a number of things, which I've summarized in four points. How do I keep it together in in this crazy world? Number one, choose faith over fear. Choose to believe that God is in control no matter what happens in this world, that he will thwart the plans of the wicked, that he will protect the upright. Number two, that uh, God, God tells us to, to seek and accept wise counsel. Surround yourself with healthy relationships, mentors, counselors, friends, God himself, who can point you in the right direction. Number three, don't talk too much. And number four, be kind. And as we close, I want to leave you with two challenges. I'm not sure if I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Two challenges, two practical things I want you to do as you leave today. Number one, I want to challenge you 
if you're in a situation where you're stuck and you don't know what to do, go find a mentor in your life. Go find someone who's a few years ahead of you, who's maybe has a little bit more experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's older, um, but someone who's ahead of you and whatever it is that you, whatever issue it is that you need to tackle and see if they can mentor you. And it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship thing. Just ask them a few questions and see if they can give you some tips. And you'll probably be surprised at some of the help you'll find. Uh, number two, I want you to read Proverbs 10 and 11, the entire chapters, and see if there's any other phrases or wise sayings that jump out at you that, you, that can help you in this time uh, or whatever, with whatever it is you're going through. And if you're stuck in a verse, if you're unsure what one statement might mean, go read it in another translation, as oftentimes that brings clarity and better understanding of what Solomon was, was getting at. And so I want to invite you, other than that, I just want to invite you to next week as we continue to ask this question, how do I keep it together? Where we'll spend at least one other week uh, looking at other things that Solomon said in the chapters coming up. And so I want to close today by saying, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, May God give you uh, joy and encouragement during this time of despair and stress. And remember uh, to choose faith over fear, to put your eyes on God rather than putting your eyes on whatever circumstance you're dealing with right now. Amen.